I am unashamed. What about you? So, um, it's the last, is it the last week of duck season? The mm-hmm. last week. We're going into the last the week. The last week of duck I'm going to miss the last week of duck season. Yeah, Maybe you got to film. I'm filming. Uh, we're actually doing podcasts tomorrow, so we'll, I'll get to go hunting a couple of hours before that. That'll be my last day. It's kind of sad. We're actually mm-hmm. about 200 more this year than last year. The numbers are up. Feeling those numbers. He's looking. So <laughs> well, last year was one of the worst seasons that we've ever had, though. Yep. So it, it's not that this year's been that great. It's we're, just. We've been markedly better this year. I've got a camera guy coming in this week. Do y'all know that? To get some footage of ducks flying and, and ducks mm. falling. Well, I hate I'm going to miss it. <laughs> the ducks, I don't, I don't, ducks falling, maybe. <laughs> I will give this for all our uh, longtime listeners and people that have followed us back when we were doing the duck men videos and trying to capture the elusive duck on camera. It's very hard to do. I've seen some of the best cameramen in the world who came down and thought they were, just because they were good cameramen, they thought they were going to be able to film ducks. Didn't happen. They were humbled. Yep. Ducks are real unpredictable. And the problem I have with them is that when you're trying to convince ducks that are from Canada that these painted pieces of plastic called decoys are real, it's very difficult to do that. What's what's the guy that got up high in the trees and went to work back in Arkansas and he was around there for about a decade? Tell me, Lyle? Lyle. We got. How can you forget Lyle's name, Lyle? Well, because they're getting old. Yeah. Uh, Lyle, I, I, you you talked about people who were good at it. I think overall, Lyle got the best footage. He was fantastic. He was the best one. I should. That's what I should have done. Is got Lyle to come in because I got because you're making me nervous, Chase. Because I've I've I'm, I'm flying a guy in from L.A. This is for the movie. It's because there's the scenes in the duck blind where when it, the movie looks great, except for the ducks. It, I'm like, oh, yeah. we don't have good footage. Well, he's going to be of, humble. Of, he's going to be humble. So we'll see so what happens. Here's what you do. I'll give you some advice. We we didn't have plans to do this, but if you want to film ducks, I'm going to give you the key to filming ducks. The key to filming ducks by Jace Roberts. 30 years of being in the industry of filming ducks. If you're a camera operator, here is the key. Not top 10, there's one thing. One thing. You go from the hunter to the ducks. They will always lead you to the ducks. Because if you're trying to follow the ducks on the camera, they're never experienced enough unless they were a duck hunter, which Lyle was. But Lyle said, when in doubt, he always looked at the hunters. And wherever their eyes went, that... It just took him. Which, by the way, you the just ducks. you just touched on the key. If advice. you were ever hunting in the blind with the duck men, so because I never wanted to flare ducks, I never looked at the ducks. I looked at the ends of the blind, the guys who were calling the ducks, to know when things were going to be happening. So I never looked here. I looked here. So I knew exactly what was happening by watching Jace or watching Dad because y'all were watching them. So the uh, two guys on the only end only bring Lyle Sinky up because. Uh, he's probably one of the best we ever had. I, I, I sit down in my chair on a Wednesday night, and I think one of y'all had given a lesson. I, I had spoken. I, I, I remember this like it was yesterday. So I, I, was, I spoke out of John 15. I did a. We were going through John on Wednesday night class. And I did a. Sermon. But here's, here's the, this cameraman and a kind of a 
a lot, a lot of uh, fix-it types. He was there. But anyway, afterwards, we drove back to my house. I sat down in my chair, and he walks by me in front of me in my living room, and he lies down on the floor. He so, collapsed. <laughs> so, so I got the TV on there, and I'm looking down at Lyle, and he got his, his head's like this, and he's just lying there. So I turned the TV down, and I said, <laughs> I said, Sinky. Which is nice of you to do that. He's lying on my floor. I said, something is up here. I said, what about it? Well, he went through his uh, drug use, among others, sins, and he says, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm, he gave his life story, and it yeah, wasn't he good. he said, this is pitiful. Yep. And he, he gave me his life story, and I'm sitting there listening to him. I said, well— you want to come to Jesus and get it over with, be forgiven, guaranteed you and be raised from the dead? He said, that's what I want. He was like, he said, and he asked a few questions. But he, but it's, I spent about an hour with him. He never looked up. He just had his head down on the floor and had his on his arm like that. He was talking. He came out of that. So he did become a child of God. Yep, through it all, he did. No, he did. He's he was uh, he's an interesting fella, and his his conversion was a complete transformation. Yep, it was awesome. Got his family back together. Like Jason and I, he went through a uh, a biblical training. Although, like us, well, like you, I guess I did. This is after after he he never really like did official like work for a church much, but he had the you know he did that Bible base kind of like we did. Oh yeah, you need it. Division. The sermon I actually preached. It's so weird that I remember that of all the things I can't remember, I do remember that because he worked for us for years before this happened. Yep, and uh, and we knew he had some problems, <laughs> but uh, and the field's credit more than anybody else, he was just patient with him and uh you know you can imagine all the gospel presentations he heard and you know he just had to work through it all but the actual sermon because i remember it was uh it was the quote that jesus made in john 15 25 where it says they hated me without reason and the previous verses you know says if you belong to the world this is in verse 19 it would love you as its own as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And uh, so that was kind of the gist of it, which is it, it's clear you're either in the world. He knew we loved you. You're either in the world, and that's what you're all about, or you're in Jesus, and the world hates you and, and doesn't understand you. And I think somewhere in his life, now he had heard Jesus many times in many duck blind situations, and, and he had actually come to church with us quite a few times. But for some reason, I guess the line was drawn in that sermon, because really that's what it is. It, it is a depiction on are you worldly or are you in Jesus? There's no middle ground. You're not on the fence. You're not checking it out. Jesus is not a compartment. You're either all in or you're all out. That was basically the gist. And somewhere in there it just it, it, it hit him he's like you know what uh, what am i doing here and uh yeah it was it was very moving for all of us to to see him change so i've got a <clears throat> i've got a duck hunting question cuz um i haven't hunted this year but at the beginning of the year we talked about a new hole the ring of fire 
which was a, a vision of a prairie hole that Dad had seen up in the river bottoms. Well, let me just interject before you go on. Now, we ended the last par- uh, podcast with an argument, and you're... You're fixing to head down another argument. Oh, excellent. That's I love when I swerve <laughs> into a, a good argument. Non biblical <laughs> argument. Well, we, but, we yeah, we, we went eighteen minutes in the overtime, which is yeah. we were scheduled for fifteen, but Jace is so argumentative that he took us like literally an extra three or four minutes. By so. the way, well, those, those well, here's you, why I did that. Those of you who hadn't crossed over to overtime, if you want to catch a great argument, you might want to We made the hole. We never hunted it. We decided to hunt it. It was a lot of wood ducks in there, but we said, well, maybe a few big ducks too. So we had a little thing I call the ring of fire inside the hole. It's about 30 acres of just left the big trees. And the grass grew up after we cleared it up. Had a logger do it for me. I gave him blowdowns from a hurricane. He had enough wood where he didn't have to pay for it. (laughs) Phil's explaining this. Everything got happy. So we tried it, and four of us went. We did kill full limits. Of Woody's. You were past shooting them. The argument was. We haven't been back since. When they made the hole, my thought was, and I can't keep my mouth shut. So they cleared out this, this, whatever it is, 10 acre spot. 30 acres. 30 acre spot. And in the middle, they had a ring of trees. Right. They had a, they had a hole in the middle of the ring. So it's, so you basically had, think a donut with an island of trees. Yep. And then another mini donut with a hole. And I was like, I was shocked when I pulled up the first time because when they put the blind in, I thought they were going to put the blind facing toward the donut, not inside the hole. I thought, but they had it faced in inside the ring of fire. You see what I mean? I thought the ring of fire was the hole, the, the big opening, hole. the big. So you just move your blind around the island facing outward. But when it was faced inward, I thought, I don't like this. Yeah. What we I, found was the blind inside the ring of fire. We did get about four or five yeah. out of several hundred that <laughs> had the opportunity to come in there. About four or five came down in the ring of fire, and we yeah, shot them. Which was the idea. But they lit on the outside, which is what I was, but I'm we not just trying shot, to say I was right. Yeah, I was just, our, our ducks came right. from, yeah. from wood ducks flying over our head, going anywhere but there. So they'd yeah. just come over low, which you, but uh, I mean, to they be moved fair, the blind. I hadn't tried it yet, but I'm going to try it and just, just see what that would do. To be, I, fa- to be fair, I didn't mind Phil trying it. I mean, I thought yeah, he, how do you he know? may be right, but I feel like that's asking a lot for him to get down inside well, this. So the reason I brought it up, not knowing any of this debate that went on about where to put a blind, <clears throat> was two things. One is because I loved the last episode. By the way, those of you that are um, subscribed to Blaze TV, you get uh, In the Woods with Phil, which is Dad's show that was on before we started doing the podcast. In the last episode of In the Woods with Phil, we filmed it in that spot, Dad. That was our last episode. Oh, is that right? That was right. And and we talked about this vision you had for this hole. But I liked it because it took me back, and Jace, you can remember it too, and Jace was very young, of where we hunted when we were super young, when we moved down here, we made a transition. But for the first couple of years, we went back up there. And so I, I thought about it, the journey that people take for something that's beautiful. So we would get up here at about 2.30 in the morning, and we would get in your truck or a car, 
and drive all the way back up, almost a two-hour drive north. Then we would get in Jeeps and Broncos and all this and go another, I don't know how long, 30, 45 minutes through mud and all that, and then get in boats and go out to this big cypress tree, and then we would hunt. Yep. Of course, you had to get there, you know, before daylight, yep. decoys, all that. So it was this beautiful place that we hunted, and I still remember all that. And you kind of tried to transport some of that idea here. That's right. Which I thought was a beautiful oh, right. thing in the idea it, of it. It was, it's, it was a, just why I like it. It was a perfect idea because the hurricane ravaged the woods right. that we had just bought. So we were all, like, disappointed because it was so beautiful before. But then we, look, we took a dozer, got some loggers down there, cleaned it up then made this meadow of grass amongst these big trees and this little island of oh, trees. Oh, it's a picture. Oh, it, 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 it's, you know, it's it's a form of, and in, in symbolically, you know, what happens to us, you know, when we have this encounter with the Lord. Which is what it, I thought, Jace. It was yeah. like a journey. The idea a of a journey. hurricane, the mess, of, how can this be fixed? And all of a sudden, you know, a bulldozer and a death, a, a burial and a resurrection, and you look up and it's something spectacular. Which was kind of the idea when when Zach and I first started this idea, we produced Dad's show in the woods with Phil. It was how how do you how does a guy who's in the woods impact the world with the good news of Jesus? And that was kind of the pathway through which the show is, and it's a beautiful journey that takes place. And it was just kind of a great metaphor. So that's how we began and ended that series, which which ultimately led us to this podcast, which is. Kind of cool. So I don't know anyway how I got into well, this bigger picture. And, and the movie. I mean, and this movie is and the movie. titled The Blind. You know, so it's kind of interesting that the whole thing, it's kind of a story told through, you know, hunting, duck hunting trip. And you just think about like how much of, of that is part of Phil's life. But I mean, how much discipleship, I'm just thinking how much discipleship has gone down on your property just, I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't a, there was, it wasn't a planned thing. There's, there wasn't a program that you developed or anything like that. It was just guys would come in and it's kind of what this podcast really is. It's like, you know, the, the, there's guys that will come in and sit for three, four five years and then they'll move on and go do something else. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's what it was. And, um, I remember when Jeff and I came out of the life we were living in, that was our respite for, for a season, you know, for, for a couple of years, which is, that's what we did. And, uh, you know, for me, that was, that was some of the most transformative years of my life. And it wasn't intention. It was it was intentional, but it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't a system. It was just being around people. You guys mentioned earlier, um, about, uh, you said, follow the, the best cameraman follows the shooter. Or if he said, look at the hunter, and I, you know what the I thought hunter, of? Yeah, the hunter takes you to the ducks. I thought of that verse, to fix our, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. If you get, if you try to look at the whole outcome and you're like, I got to I gotta figure out how to do it all, or even the Bible itself, like we were talking about that in the last episode, let me read the Bible as kind of my blueprint. Well, then, man, you pick this thing up right here. I mean, look how thick that is. I mean, that, that's intimidating. And if you don't know it, it's very intimidating. But if you just say, just, fig, just look at the hunter, and he'll point you where to go. Look, look at Jesus. Get around God's people. You know, just incubate in that. Just get around God's people. Get around Jesus. Yep. And it's amazing what what can happen, even, even in the woods, in a duck blind, in the middle of, of nowhere in Louisiana. To finish my point about that, because I think Lyle was instrumental. I had never seen it before. A lot of times he would have that camera 
facing the cameraman when he didn't know where the ducks were. And but when he when we all got up to shoot, he just went with us and then turned the camera. But it gave a unique perspective because most of the hunting shows they they follow try to follow the ducks, which is very hard to do. The ducks come in, they shoot. Well, you don't have the hunters interacting with it. So what they do is they call them cutaways. Well, they fake it. Then they say, we all get up and act like you're going to shoot. But what Lyle did by, I think, just being brilliant and being a cameraman, he just had it all in one motion. And, uh, of course, now they all do that. But during back in the day, he was the first guy I've seen do that. But that's why he got, I'd say, over 90% of the ducks. Because when in doubt, he just went to the hunter. Because if anything's going to happen in that two or three second period that they're going up, well, you're just, you you wind up there right where the ducks are. Which is was part of our early <clears throat> success was because our camera work was so much better than most of the competition on getting duck footage, you know. Which is funny now. The other day we went through the tour. We were talking about they have a tour at Duck Commander headquarters, and you go through there, you see some of our old footage. I was looking at the other day. I thought, man, that's pretty good stuff. I mean, we oh, it's good. You know, we were all. It's good, clean fun. It you're in God's creation, which is ultimately you know how I even got interested in following Jesus, just because everybody has different you know veins that they go down. But just the outdoors to me has always been a place where I just see the power of God. Cause I, when you're looking at all the details from whatever you're doing, as far as hunting and trapping and walking and looking and seeing life and all these various different forms, you know, from mayflies to berries to, it, it just becomes too overwhelming not to acknowledge that there's some kind of intelligent design behind this, you know? And then you're like, Oh, he wrote a book. Oh, let me check that out. You know? So, I mean, I think it's that, but it's also just, you know, Zach, you mentioned about having discipleship. It's the perfect setting for people to hear Jesus because they're trapped, really. I mean, they get in a boat, they go out there, you're surrounded by water. You can't leave. Yeah, where are you going to go? Yeah, well, you're just, you're stuck here. And But you're looking at God's creation. You're, it's something fun. There, there's usually an occurrence that happens every two or three days. I mean, just yesterday, it was only me feel and uh the nurse practitioner chad and so the water old burrow was there well yeah so this is day four yesterday when it's me you and chad went to the privet hole yeah and so the water's so deep now one of the blinds we hunt you have to go by an argo because we don't have a boat there and uh so so phil and and chad can be comfortable i ride in the argo by myself most of the way on dry land they ride a nice comfortable rig because argo has no windshield it's just you're out bugs flying in your face whatever so when we get to the hole we consolidate and everybody gets in the argo and we got all our stuff i mean it's literally too much stuff and too many men to get out there but this this is what we're doing and so we're talking about do we have all the stuff and there was something uh phil do you want your seat you know there was a conversation now we're good we're good okay you sure you don't want your seat yeah well i take off so I'm going, I must have went, I don't know how far, a few hundred yards. And I come up on right when we're entering the, the, the lake, a big deep hole. So I slowed down because I didn't want to just hit it hard. Well, when I slowed down, I just hear a voice saying, oh, hold up. And I realized that when we were discussing, if we had all our stuff, Chad had bounced out of the Argo 
to get Phil's seat, but I took off and I couldn't, he was like, Oh, wait, wait. But I couldn't hear him because the motor, you know, so, so we now got a he's, man just running, he's just him. running behind us wide up. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to keep up. He said, I knew when you hit that hole, I was going to have one. And he's a kind of a big guy and he was huffing and puffing. And I'm telling you, we got so tickled. I, <laughs> Because I thought, where else in the world can you have this happen, you know, on accident? And it'd be this funny. He uh, didn't holler out loud, so he was just running. Well, I said, why didn't you holler louder? And he said, I was out of breath after the first 20 steps. Because <laughs> he had his way. <laughs> and I thought, if you could have filmed that, here we are on a dark road. Well, the last time we heard his name, <clears throat> it wasn't he and Burley pulling the boat. With that, you and Zachary in with the Shanes oh, pulling y'all out. You talk about y'all kill fifteen ducks and one one visitor, <laughs> one nurse <laughs> practitioner. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, what, but I was just gonna say, it's you have those experiences that are just good, clean fun. You know, I mean, it was I mean, it was bad for him because he was like, "Boy, I got to get in shape." He's talking about it all morning. He's like, "Boy, I am." I was like, "For a nurse practitioner, I mean, you need to get in better shape." Buddy. I mean, I ain't never seen a man huffing and puffing so much. <laughs> oh, you run through after a four wheeler down through the woods, you, you huff and puff. <laughs> well, it's just mud, you know, oh. what I mean, and ruts, and I mean. It was horrible. Well, the beauty of it is that it is because when when Jesus first taught Peter, it was the exact style he used because he got him in a boat where he couldn't get out. Remember, Peter's cleaning his nets. He said, "Hey, hey, Peter, let me get in your boat here. P push out here. Let me let me preach to these people." So really, Jesus used the same style on Peter. So we're in First Peter uh, is where we are, and we're and we're kind of hitting a new text today in, in chapter one, verse thirteen. But before we do. I wanted to hit the last part of this text because we just barely touched on it because it's kind of intriguing. We read 10 through 12 in the last podcast, which is kind of that idea about the gospel being present all the way across time, the prophets yep, and how that, you know, the whole time the gospel was what was there. The Holy Spirit had been working. And I thought about Jace, you know, John 1, 1 talks about in the beginning was the word, the words with God, the word was God the word became flesh. And then you've talked about that before in Genesis one, where you saw the spirit of God hovering over the waters and God said, and there was that word, you know, Jesus was there from the very beginning. But I, I thought this is an intriguing little statement. He threw in there that last statement before we get to 13, he said, even angels long to look into these things, <clears throat> which was pretty incredible because what he said was this salvation has been spread across human history where people knew things and they didn't always know what the prophecy meant. They knew in their time it meant something and then it meant something in the future. But he kind of gives you the the idea that the heavenly realms didn't really know what was what all this meant. In other words, they saw it unfolding from their perch, but they didn't know what any of it meant. <clears throat> and it made me think about, I wanted to read this uh, Ephesians 3.10 the way Paul put this, he said his intent was that now, talking about in the present age when, when Paul wrote this, through the church, so the establishment of the church, same time Peter's writing, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. And that word, uh, parakipto, the Greek phrase there for be made known, means to stoop over and look. 
so that God should made known to those who are stooping over and looking to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. But I just like that picture that in the heavenly realms, they're like stooping over to look at what's going on in our realm to figure out what in the world God is doing. I mean, when you think about that that visual, oh. that these are beings that I'm assuming are created to not die. I mean, we don't read about them dying, so I'm assuming they're created to survive. You know, it, well, I've said this before. I believe it's because this is the greatest love story ever in the history of the world. Right. And, you know, you get the idea from seeing verses, you know, remember where the story Jesus told about not understanding the resurrection with people trying to put what happens on this earth in the resurrection context about how many times you've been married and who's going to be your husband in heaven. And, and he basically, you know, said, we'll be like the angels where, you know, people won't be given in marriage. But, but he, you know, before that, he's like, well, you're ignorant of the scriptures and the power of God, which I, so even that they're limited. I mean, the angels are not God, right? But they're interested in somehow these earthly beings becoming heavenly beings. I mean, that, that this is, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. What's the concept, the concept of uh, redemption, forgiveness. I mean, they don't know that. So they're just like, what is this? You remember the last word was Malachi. Well, there was 400 years of waiting. Right. And, and these these angelic type, the prophets and all, trying to find out the time and circumstance of which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. I mean, it was over their head. They, they just couldn't grasp it. Right. Think about it. The Savior of the world is coming, you know, and promise go all the way back to Genesis, five, six thousand years. All of a sudden, they said, what in the world are, are, are we even, we're writing stuff down that we don't know what. And they're, they're back and forth interaction. Let's take another break. And I, I have commented before that, you know, at every phase of when Jesus came here, at his birth, uh, in the garden before his death, at the tomb, whenever he was resurrected, when he ascended, and every phase, and then he says when he comes back, every phase of there were angels present. That's right. At each phase of the gospel story. So it's kind of interesting. It was revealed to them that they they were not serving themselves. Yeah, they were, they were, they were, they were not, it was revealed to them. They were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have been told you by those who preach the gospel to you. Mm-hmm. Everybody, that's, that's that Jesus' famous line, Jesus is coming. Five, six thousand years later, they're all running around saying, what in the world, when, when's, what's figuring up 400 years, we ain't heard a word from God. All of a sudden, they said, look for Elijah, you know, that John the Baptist, you know, Malachi, that's what he mentions that. Mm-hmm. But they say, well, maybe it's time, but it was revealed to them as to someone else, those who have had the, preach, the gospel preached to them. So here comes the gospel. So... I'm glad I'm glad Peter put that in there. That's that's very interesting. Yeah, it I is. got that from Jim McGuigan, by the way. The uh the Old Testament, Jesus is coming, Matthew yep. through John, Jesus is here, and Acts Revelation, Jesus is coming back. But it simplifies it to people that 
that to Zach's point earlier that feels overwhelmed by the Bible. It's like, I'm going to introduce a person to you who is the image of God. And let's just start here. Well, that's real easy for right. people to wrap their head around. I want to bring something up. I, I've spent a lot of time since I'm around little ones now, uh, you know, two grandkids now under two and the little one, you know, that we've been a part of from a fostering situation, you know, the first year of his life. I want to bring this up. I've been spending a lot of time in Matthew 18 and I, I do because of that and also because of this illustration about the new birth that we're going to, as we continue to read First Peter, it's going to keep coming up. And uh, so I want to bring this up, you know, Matthew 18, 10, where people get the idea about having guardian angels for kids. You know, the, the, there's no doubt that in Matthew 18, when they asked a question in verse one, they said, his the disciples came and said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I, I mean, I, I think it's a legitimate question. We, the disciples, you know, obviously were shocked in Jesus's answer because Jesus took a little child and had him stand among them. And look, when we teach this passage, we always go to the illustration that Jesus had, which is unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of, of heaven. So we always use it about repentance, which rightfully so, I'm not arguing that. But I just wanted to make the point that there's a lot in here about little ones and being innocent and Jesus welcoming them. Because And then it says, he who welcomes a little child, this is uh, verse five, like this, and my name welcomes me. Well, look, for me, to take in a kid from just the world that we we really viewed as God sending from heaven, this verse means a lot to me. You see my point? It's like I'm in this battle, you know, of, of wanting to pour love and, you know, and, and trying to uh, get this family reconciled. Well, this, that means a lot to me. And, and then when it goes on to say, you know, if anyone causes him to stumble, it'd be better for him to be thrown uh, into the sea with a millstone hung around his neck. So I'm like, I'm protecting this child. I mean, I'm taking this serious. I'm realizing how, how much is on the line. But the reason I'm bringing this up, because when you get to verse 10, it says, see that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. Now, look, I'm not sure exactly what that means. But I know that there's some kind of representation there. And I also know that uh, from reading our text in First Peter, that the idea of earthly beings becoming heavenly and, and eternal is of great interest to them. And so I was only going to make that point here. I, I just want to make one other point, though. I had never realized until I had this little one, the responsibility of taking care of him, that in verse 12, it goes on to say, for what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that one that wandered off? So we always put that in the context of Luke 15 of someone who loses their way. But in this case, if you keep reading, I think you'll find something interesting. It says, and if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about the one sheep uh, than about the 99 that did not wander off. It, it, it's a different it's a different feel to this when he used this illustration. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones 
should be lost. Boy, in our culture, the slaughter of... Well, that's where I was going with this. Look, when I read this, look, I read this in Sunday morning in assembly, uh, and I should have been paying attention to the sermon or whatever, but I got sidetracked about something else. And all of a sudden, I was overwhelmed. I actually got tears in my eyes because it hit me how powerful a moment this was. And I thought, you know, why have I never seen this before as in this act of this little child uh, of stepping in the gap, God using you so he wouldn't wander off. Not that he sinned or did anything wrong. He just, little sheep wander off and we we go get them. And so when I thought we go get them, God arranges circumstances and, and rises up, uh, raises up people to fill in that gap there. Because we don't uh, want to lose one. No, we don't want to lose one. And, and so I, I get it. We make the point about the transformation and change, and we're working on that too. But with these little ones, there is a there there is a interest of the angels, and, and a love from God that He don't want to lose any of them. And I think we should, if we adapted that in our culture, and so the power of this, going back to First Peter, is that He compares this whole transformation process to a new birth, and He compares us like little children. You grow up and. There's some there's something really powerful about that in, in this. And even the uh, let's take another break. Jace, even the even when he says even angels long to look into these things, he it even sounds like it, almost an innocence with them as to try to figure out what's going on. Same thing with like a child. You know what I'm saying? It's like they just don't know, but they're really curious as, as yeah. to what's going on. I, I'd never noticed that passage before. I hadn't either. I had thought about just like you, I immediately made the leap to the idea about you left on purpose, but it's not really, that's not the point he was making. Well, I looked up commentaries and all, and it, but nobody else is teaching that either. But I thought it seems to imply that he's just talking about a, a little innocent child wandering off. Yeah, that something happened to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. Well, so let's, uh, in First Peter 1, I want to read this text so we can start breaking it down some uh, in verse 13. Anytime you, we always make note when you see a therefore is when we're making the transition. So therefore, so we've, we've laid out this, Peter lays out this really powerful beginning point about what salvation looks like. So now he's going to do a therefore, which means, okay, so you got this, now what? Therefore, prepare your minds for action. So now that you know something, we're going to do something. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, to your reference, Jays, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And that's a, a quote from Leviticus, several places in Leviticus. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but it was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. So now we're going to talk about <clears throat> sort of the results that happen 
um, from this salvation that we first talked about with the new birth and the living hope and all the things from there. So well, well, and he is going to reference that in 23, he's going to go back to the, you've been born again, not a perishable seed. And you were right. You see why I went to Matthew 18 because of the obedient children point. But in all, just like Peter does with, with a lot of what Paul does when they write these things, it's all about what God has done. And then it's therefore, you know, there was no assertions in the first 12 verses. Which really is the point, right, Jess, when, when you say, because you look at this, and if you just if you didn't read the first part of that, and you just came to this verse and said, be, be holy. holy because I am holy, you'd well, say, you're like, I'm out. I'm out. How could so, I be holy? Because you, you look at that task and you're like, I mean, how's that even possible? And two, I think it's it, it's going back to the conversation about even how we interpret the Bible and um, thinking that somehow, because I think here's the dilemma. Anytime you start talking about being holy or you know doing good works and all that stuff, you know if you, if you came out of legalism and you've you're in grace now, then the I mean anytime you hear that kind of language, like wait, well, hey, I thought I thought it's not about what we do, right? But I think that what Peter does here is he explains kind of that that tension in chapter two when he says, therefore, putting aside all malice, that's something you do, right? You intentionally do this. And all deceit and all hypocrisy and all envy and all slander. In other words, like don't do bad things, put that away, and then do these things like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. In other words, read your Bible. But it's not it's not just read your Bible. He gives us the reason why. And he doesn't say so that you may earn favor with me or that you may prove your loyalty to me or that you may gain favor in my sight by doing what you're supposed to do. This is what he see. This is the reason that he gives us the motivation so that by it, you may grow in respect to salvation. If you had have tasted the kindness of the Lord, I, I think that right there alone is one of the most difficult things for us to understand that the, the number one, that the Lord is kind and that when we participate in the things that he tells us to do, like read our Bible and we start craving the word like like a newborn baby craves milk, we do it so that we can see the goodness of God, because that's why we don't follow him when we don't. We just think he's not good. We think, uh, I know you say do this, but I think this other thing is going to be more fulfilling. And God's like, no, it's not. I'm telling you, everything that I've revealed to you is revealed to you to lead you to life. And it's why I think uh, guys like um, Jonathan Edwards were so uh, provocative, but also so big in their day, instituting revival because they honed in on this message. Or, or like uh, someone today would be like John Piper, who has a, a website called um, Desiring God, and the entire premise of it is is that is he calls it Christian hedonism, and he says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. So it's it's reaching down to the level of not just doing the right thing; it's wanting and desiring the right thing. How can my desires be changed? And here's the way you crave the word like a newborn baby craves milk. Right. But I will interject that. So in first Peter one twenty three, when it says for you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and, and enduring same word is used in John one, one, the logos of God. Cause I looked it up and I, I think we tend to, it, this becomes difficult when you think I got to obey the whole, the whole Bible. Now there's a different word 
that he uses next when it says 25, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Cause, and, and this is the word that was preached to you because when it's talking about the spoken, when them speaking it, it's that was a different Isaiah word. Four, right, yeah. yeah. It, it, when you're speaking it, but I, I mean, I keep going back to, uh, you know, when we were in school, I don't, I got so much trouble. I've used this for example. <laughs> they had this little mantra because every school has a mantra, you know, preach the word. And they had a picture of the Bible. And uh, so for one of my sermons, you know, I, I said, you need to change that to a human on a cross because you're missing that. Oh, boy. Yeah. You know, I got trouble about right, that. Well, and, and, well <laughs> and let me just clarify. We're not negating or um, we're not diminishing the power or the authority of God's written word. That's not what we're saying. What What, what we are saying is that the written word that is inspired by the Holy Spirit that is inerrant, it points to and explains who God is. I mean, so so if you miss that and you start to read the scriptures to Jason's point earlier from the passage in Matthew, and you start you can study the scriptures diligently and by then you can think that you're saved and and not be saved. Because you're not saved by the scriptures. You're saved by Jesus. You're saved by his blood. This points us to him. And so it's a it's hard to explain this because anytime you get into this discussion, the fear is is that someone's going to listen and say, "Oh, you guys don't believe that the Bible's inspired," well, or right, exactly. or they're diminishing the Bible, and not at all. We're we're elevating the Bible because it points us to who the sovereign King is. Exactly that, is, and I'm glad you made that point. I feel like we have to make it every time we make this point. But the reason it's so important is because if you're going around trying to follow everything in the Bible to the letter and trying to understand everything in the Bible in absolute 100% unity, which a lot of religious groups demand. You're never going to. Well, you're setting, you've missed the whole purpose of what we're here for and and God using us. You missed the whole point. Let's, Let's take our last break. It might be it might be worth inviting. I mean, think about this. Just if you have if you are one hundred percent correct on everything that you have read in the Bible, we we would like to know who you are. I mean, who who is that person? Who is that? Per- I, I mean, most like, even people the, would the, say no, I don't. But then they would argue about every point, thinking they were right. Yeah, I think you, <laughs> I think there needs to be a humility and attention that we hold on a lot of these things, and I've tried to rest in that space. Well, let me of, give you an example of from, holding tension from where we're at. I mean, because I think there's a, there's some really difficult things to wrap your head around in what Al read. I mean, one is this idea that it says, since you call on a father who judges each man's work. And what I was going to say is, to go in the vein of what we're talking about, I've noticed most religious groups take one of those titles over the other. So, so like I've been in churches where they're focused on God as a judge and it seems a little conservative, laid back, uh, kind of rule oriented. Then you go to another group who's gone, who focuses on God being our father and they're calling him, you know, Abba father and daddy and they'll pray and where the people are focusing on the, on the judge judgment aspect, they feel like they're being irreverent. Because they're making it, you know, they're like, I mean, you hear that guy called him father's dad, you know. But I think what's interesting here is the fact that Peter has that sentence with both of those qualities in it 
is what's awesome about God. He is our father yeah. and he is a judge. So some we just tend to go to all extremes and which is how we have so many differences in the religious world instead of just saying, okay, yeah. there's if you if you go with the illustration that is the theme of first Peter, he has to be viewed as our father because we're we're newborn, we're we're newborn. So we're obedient children. So you can find you can understand that God is there is he's just there is a judgment that is going to happen then that is happening but it's not unlike something we can relate to even with a respect for our own fathers yeah. when we were kids right yeah you know, it's like the old question is god judge or is god father and the answer is yes, yes. you know is god love <laughs> or is, is god wrath yes mm-hmm. is god you know, just justice or mercy yes I I think that's the thing about these attributes. I would argue that God does have um, maybe I don't know I don't know what the term term would be like primary attributes that are that are there like but and, and there's some that are character. contingent upon creation. His character, um, I would say, is like well, he's just yeah, well, well, he's yeah. loving. But the reason he wants you to be holy is because he is holy. The reason he wants you to be so it's not like he's coming up with things you should do just because he you know is mean or, you know, or doesn't want me to have any fun. No, he he's holy. So we're going to be holy. Now he made us holy in what he did, but I do think that's important because if you look at it from that vein, it, you realize that he knows what's best. And not only does he know what's best, he's done what's best for us. And it's not, there's a reason for the re for his character being that way. So it's not like you're following the law because, well, it's just the law and I don't want to have any consequence. No, it, it, this is the right thing to do because we trust his righteousness and his justice and his love. Right. Because of who because, he is. Because he, 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 he knows the pathway to life because he is, he is life. Yeah. And I think that's, the, when he, that's why he can say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they'll be feel, filled up. And, and I think we're looking to be filled and we're trying it with other, we're trying it with unrighteousness and that hasn't worked out for anybody. And I, and I feel confident challenging anybody. How's it worked out for you? But he says, if you, if you hunger and thirst, kind of that same phraseology that he uses about, about craving the, uh, the word, like an infant craves pure milk. Like, like when you hunger for that, when you hunger for God, you'll actually be filled. Yeah. And I think that's the big transformation that he's offering in, in, in the spirit uh, is, is that that we can experience that fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5. And when you taste that, you taste and see that the Lord is good, going back to the psalmist. And when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you're like, man, I want more of that. And so you quit craving you know, the Popeye's biscuits that I mentioned earlier. You start craving God. You start craving good stuff. You start craving who he is. And the more that you crave him, the less that you crave sin. And that's the transformation. That's why someone who's been walking in the spirit, I didn't say a Christian, who's been walking in the spirit for 20 years is not going to crave the same thing that who maybe got saved at the foot of the cross and is only 20 feet from the cross because he hasn't really been moved past that. Yeah. Like that guy's still going to be, he's going to be a Christian for 40 years, but I hadn't, but if I'm still hung up at the cross and I haven't been sanctified and been transformed, I'm still, I'm still going back to that, that, that place where I, I got justified, man. Man, I want more. There's more. There's transformation that's promised in Scripture, 
to the degree that we submit to the now, spirit. Zach, <clears throat> I want to hear you correctly. Are you saying that eating Popeye's biscuits is sinful? He keeps bringing up the Popeye's biscuits. What I, he don't know I, I is, look, if he was a true legalist, I, I would offer trouble. this. I would offer this because we could make you feel better <laughs> about eating the two biscuits yeah. because you know what we ate before this podcast? I ate. What's that? Three quarters. I cut, no, I'd say five sixths. <laughs> five sixths. Of a large uh, meat lover's pizza. Chinese pizza. It just, look, <laughs> I had, yeah, I almost what... had a, and I did it while driving it was, down It here. was a pro move because Jay's pulled in behind <laughs> me and said, because I ordered the pizzas to eat before the podcast, yeah. Jay said, I'm going to get mine right right out of the oven. I so followed Al <laughs> instead of coming down here in the 20 minutes of it getting cold. <laughs> I followed him to the pizza place, got mine, and which, as I'm driving, people going around me, cheese all in the beard. Oh, that's funny. So I put my that's life funny. Well, risk. I didn't tell you the rest of it, but I didn't confess to y'all either that I did eat about four pieces of fried chicken as well. Oh, I knew. So it wasn't just Nobody a, gets it just, just biscuits from Popeye's. Wise man once told me you never want to reach a certain age and say to yourself, I should have eaten that biscuit. That was Phil, also in a duck blind, giving words of wisdom. Before we go to overtime, I just want to give one illustration, and we can talk about this. I think when you're viewing the characteristics of God, if we're made in the image of God, if you think about it of buying a new vehicle or having a you know a vehicle of any kind, whoever designed that, they designed it for, you know, because you think, well, I bought this, so it's mine. Now I can do anything I want to. Well, wait a minute here. If you don't do what the what was intended for the vehicle, there's an owner's manual there, and there are rules. I mean, I was right on the line trying to eat a pizza going down. But I mean, what my point is, if you drive it into a wall, does that mean the you know the people that made the the truck or or somehow put you in a, a situation? No, you didn't do what it was designed to do. If you put water in it instead of gas, guess what? Don't blame anybody but yourself. And so I think when you view the characteristics of God and how that's going to come into your life, it he is who he is. So at, at some point, if we're going to live forever with him, we had to become him. Yeah. <clears throat> which is exactly the point I want to make in overtime, which we'll talk about more the work of the Godhead, which I think Peter does a really interesting thing in this text. And I want to talk about that in the overtime. So we'll see you there. If you want to follow us over, it's Blaze TV dot com slash unashamed so we sign up to get our overtime as well as everything else that blaze has to offer so we'll see you next time on unashamed thanks for listening to the unashamed podcast help us out by rating us on itunes and don't miss an episode by subscribing on youtube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes and for even more content that you won't get anywhere else subscribe to blaze tv at blaze tv.com slash unashamed